my <clears throat> elders to be ready here. We're going to have a ordination for a deacon. Within our church, we nominate elders and we nominate deacons, but they're set apart differently than the rest of the offices of the church. And the fact that we ordain elders and we ordain deacons. Deacon has a very important part within the church itself. They are the protectors of the church plant. They are the ones you would think of that would be the ones that does the mowing of the grass and things like that, but it's even more than that. A deacon is uh, part of our communion service, uh, is also a part of, of our visitation team, a part, a very important part of a church itself. In 1 Timothy, it describes a person who is elected as a deacon, says that they must be reverent, uh, spiritually connected, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with pure conscience. So their spiritual connection must be right. But that let these also first be tested, then let them serve as deacons be being found blameless. Likewise, their wives. See, it's important that their wives be a part, uh, that their wives must be reverent, not slanderous, temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own house, houses as well. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in faith which is in Christ Jesus. So a deacon spiritually must be connected with God. And our church has chosen one to be uh, acting as a part of a deacon of this church, John Pendleton. If John would come up here, and if his wife would come up here as well too, I know she wasn't planning on this. You wanted to take a picture, hand the picture to them and they'll take it, or my wife or someone else. And may the elders of the church come up here. We're going to kneel in prayer. But it's not only just for John. It, it involves the whole family as well, too. Why don't you step right over here next to your husband? Because uh, it involves not only their, the, the church family, but their family as well, too. And, John, it's been your desire to be a, a deacon within the church and to serve the church. And we have, uh, as a church body, have elected you to become a deacon, to serve as a deacon. It's a very sacred responsibility. Is it your desire and will to face up and to live that sacred responsibility for G before Jesus and the church family as well, too? I would like to ask you to kneel as we as elders kneel around him. We're going to place our hands upon him. And we'll place our hands upon her as well, too, because... As John is one within the family, so is his wife, and they are all connected together. Let's just pray. Father, you've heard the desire of John to be a deacon of this church. It's a very sacred responsibility. It's not something that we take lightly. But he is wanting and desiring to be able to help this church and his church family. We pray that you will help by supplying him and anointing him with the Holy Spirit in his life, in his wife's life, in his girl's life as well, too. And may the Spirit always continue to lead as he upholds the truth of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are the remnant church, and that remnant is a very sacred responsibility of sharing the everlasting gospel in a lost world. 
Anoint him and anoint us as well, too, as we work together for your cause. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. May God bless you on your endeavor as a deacon. Now, if I can get up. My wife came up and told me to remind you that last night we started the ten nights of preparation for the latter rain. If you missed last night, uh, we've got enough seats available for you to be able to come and to participate again tonight and each night as well, too. So seven o'clock, we want you to be there. In today's society, there's all kinds of weapons that are available to be able to protect us. There's guns, mace, and now even the private sector can own their own taser. That high voltage thing that just shocks the daylights out of you. The list just goes on and on. But would these weapons be of any use against the devil when he attacks? Might stop a human, but it doesn't stop the devil. In fact, there isn't even a weapon of mass destruction that would be able to stop Satan from doing his dirty work. But there is one weapon that can stop him dead in his tracks, a weapon that we seldom use and a weapon we seldom think about. Paul and Silas discovered that weapon when they used it in, of all places, a prison cell. And they were placed in prison for no other reason other than they were sharing the everlasting gospel in the community. They were trying to be silenced to get them to quit sharing about Jesus. So they placed them in this cell, and while they were in this cell, look what it says in Acts 16, verses 23 to 26. And when they had laid many stripes on them, when they had been whipped, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he, that's the jailer, put them into the inner prison, the worst place you could be, and fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loose. We often use prayer, and it is true that prayer causes the devil to to shake. But usually our prayers really turn out to be wantless before God. Dear Lord, this is what I want. Give this to me. But when you put prayer and hymns together, well, when that happens in the Bible, we're talking about the power of of praise, not a want list, but praising God. Look what Isaiah says in Isaiah 61 verse 3. Context is, it says, put on the garment of praise for or instead of the spirit of heaviness. See, when we're feeling 
really heavy with problems. And we begin to doubt and we begin to have a lot of fears. Or we feel like we're out of control. We tend to feel so heavy that we can't move and our mind is fixed on all those problems and feelings. But it says here, Isaiah says here, that we are to put on, at that time, the garment of praise. That doesn't seem natural. I like what it says in Testimonies, Volume 5, page 317. Do not forget to praise. Evidently, we forget to do that. Do not forget to praise. It becomes every child of God to vindicate His character. We're not talking about the children of God's character. We're talking about praise vindicates God's character. What does the word vindicate mean? It means that it's to clear somebody or something of blame, guilt, suspicion, or doubt. You see, sometimes when we run into problems, we begin to blame God for the problem. But God's not the problem. And so in the midst of the problem, instead of blaming God, I should praise God. It's a public proclamation about the God that I love and that I trust and I serve. To vindicate also means to defend. I, even though I'm going through problems and the devil is attacking me, I'm going to defend my God who's promised to get me through, clear through to the end. The devil doesn't like that. Even though he's, the devil is out to destroy me, I can still place my trust in God that he's going to overcome the devil. So what is it about praise that makes it so effective? First of all, praise drives back the power of Satan. Look what it says in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 22. Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people who had come against Judas and, uh, Judah, and they were defeated. Notice when the enemy was ready to attack God's people and when they began to praise, God set up an ambush against the enemy and defeated them. Praise defeats Satan's attempts to destroy us. I like what Ellen White says about praise in Christ Object Lessons, page 300. By recounting His goodness, that's God's goodness, and His wonderful works in behalf of His children, these exercises drive back the power of Satan. They expel the spirit of murmuring and complaint, and the tempter loses ground. He doesn't have a leg to stand on. Do you know what else praise does? Praise actually strengthens us. 
Take a look at Nehemiah, chapter 8 and verse 10. He says, Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's not time for me to say, Oh, woe is me. But I should be able to praise God, and when I do, that joy of the Lord that He receives in that praise gives me the strength I need to stand against whatever takes place. And again, I turn to the spirit of prophecy to see what happens when we praise God. God's Amazing Grace, page 325. The context is when we praise, you will have strength to bear all suffering and you will rejoice. You can face anything the devil dishes out, and you can still rejoice. Somehow God inhabits our praise. And since He is our greatest source of strength, as we share praises from our lips, we are strengthened physically, mentally, and spiritually. If the temptation is coming and it is so great, that's when you need to stop and begin to praise God. I went to the hospital one time to go visit Gretchen. Gretchen was dying of cancer. No hope. I, as a pastor, was to go there and to be able to visit with her and to give to her a little bit of hope in her final days. I went into the hospital room, and she already had some visitors around her, some of the church family, and they were all talking and they were all sharing. Gretchen, you could see on her face, was in a lot of pain. But all of a sudden... Someone within the church family that was visiting with her started singing. And guess who joined in on the singing? Gretchen. Now here's a woman that's dying. Here's a woman whose death is going to leave a new husband, and they had only been married for less than a year, a new husband behind. Here's a woman who's not going to be able to attend church anymore who's in physical pain, and she's starting to sing. And the thing that I noticed as she began to sing was that expression of pain began to go away. It was almost like she had taken morphine and it had taken away her pain. And when the song was finished, Gretchen began to share some of her favorite Bible verses, which brought her a lot of encouragement. She ministered to me. I was blessed when I left that hospital room beside the deathbed of a woman who was a member of my church. And she blessed me. Praise increases joy. Look at 
Look at these Bible verses. Psalm 67, verse 4. Oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. There's something about singing praises that makes us very happy and can change our lives. Isaiah 35, verse 10. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Notice that singing praises changes sorrow and sighing into joy and gladness. It takes our attention off of self and focuses on the Almighty God. And something happens inside of us. Praise creates a sweet heavenly atmosphere around us. Look what the psalmist said in Psalm 118, verse 19. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go through them and I will praise the Lord. Add this verse with the description given by Ellen White in Steps to Christ, page, pages 103 and 104. The soul may ascend nearer heaven on the wings of praise. As we express our gratitude, we are approximating to the worship of the heavenly host. I am taken closer to heaven when I praise my God. You see, if I focus on sorrow and pain and sadness and guilt and depression, it actually pulls me farther away from God. But when I praise Him, I'm drawn closer. Did you know that praise resists idle conversations with others? Again, I turn to Review and Herald, May the 22nd, 1900. Our voices should be oftener heard in praise and thanksgiving to God. His praise should continually be in our hearts and upon our lips. This will be a benefit. It's not going. Here we go. This will be a benefit to ourselves. It is the very best way to resist the temptation to indulge in idle, frivolous conversation. We are represented as bearing the insignia, the seal of heaven. And by our offerings of prayer and praise, we are to show that we are guided and controlled by the Holy Spirit. You see, idleness in our conversation only leads us farther away from God. We start talking about things that really we shouldn't be talking about. But when I'm willing to praise my God, it shows to the rest of the world that I am guided and controlled by His Spirit. I'm going to share with you something that you may or may not already know. Praise is not automatic. Ministry of Healing, page 253. Let us educate. Notice you have to educate our hearts and lips to speak the praise of God for His matchless love. As sinful human beings, it's not natural for us to praise God. It's natural for us to blame God. So we have to educate our heart. We have to educate 
our, our mouths to be able to speak the praises of God about His love. But why is it so hard to praise God? It's natural, again, for our sinful mind to dwell on the problems, to focus on our disappointments, to think about the dark areas of life than it is to praise God. We just don't think about those things. Steps to Christ, page 117. It is not wise to gather together all the unpleasant recollections of a past life, its iniquities and disappointments, to talk over them and mourn over them until we are overwhelmed with discouragement. When I begin to think about my problems and talk about them and share about them and do all these things, I'm just going to get discouraged. It causes other problems as well, too. First of all, when we focus on our pain and our problems, we actually dishonor God. Look what Ellen White says in the Bible Echo, September the 24th, 1900. Do not dishonor God by words of repining. Praise Him with heart and soul and voice. Look on the bright side. If I focus always on the negative, I dishonor the same God that I say that I love and I serve. So I must learn to praise Him. The other thing that happens is when I focus on the negative all the time and I refuse to praise God, I actually am glorifying the devil himself. Review and Herald, May 19, 1891. When we talk discouragement and gloom, Satan listens with fiendish joy, for it pleases him to know that he has brought you into his bondage. When I focus on the negative, he, he stands back and he says, Oh boy, I got him now. I'm going to shackle him into bondage. Many times professional advises us to relieve the pain, uh, the emotional pain that we have to talk about it. But according to the spirit of prophecy, she really says there is no healing. Look at Signs of the Times, October the 4th, 1899. In bemoaning our past, there is no healing balm. But only sorrow and sin that makes the heart sick and faint. Thus we become more and more discouraged. That's just exactly what the devil wants. But you know what happens when we begin to educate ourselves to praise God, even through the rough times? We can do it through the good times. Sometimes we forget to even do it then. But through the bad times, it unleashes a natural law within us. You know what that natural law is? Ministry of Healing, page 251 and 252. It is a law of nature that our thoughts and feelings are encouraged and strengthened as we give them utterance. While words express thoughts, it's also true that thoughts follow words. If I give words of praise, my thoughts are going to follow after them. It is important for me to be able to share these praises so that I can be encouraged and strengthened. 
You take a little child that's feeling really down and out, and you praise them. Teachers know this. If a child is struggling, but you begin to pick out things within their life that they're doing right instead of what they're doing wrong all the time, and you begin to praise them, you know what happens? They begin to buckle down and begin to change and study. You condemn them all the time, they're going to give up. It's whatever is being fed into their mind is how they're going to react. So if they're put down, they're going to give up. But if they're praised, they're going to work harder. Mind, Character, and Personality, Volume 2, page 251 and 252. In the struggle to reach the highest standard, success or failure will depend much upon the character and the manner in which the thoughts are disciplined. If the thoughts are right, then as a result the words will be right, the actions will be of that character to bring gladness and comfort and rest to souls. Do you need comfort and rest in this life that we're living in? When everything seems to be going wrong, the economy is all bad, you're looking at the world, you look at the news, it's depressing, you see all the things that are happening within your life, some of you are struggling to make ends meet, some of you are struggling to try to keep your homes, you look at your family, it seems like your family's falling to pieces, you're wondering, what in the world is going on? I need some type of, of something to help me. Let me tell you, alcohol, cigarettes, and drugs is not the answer. The answer is praise God from whom all blessings flow. Because it's going to change your attitude. And it's going to change your life. Habakkuk 3, 17-19 Though the fig tree may not blossom nor fruit beyond the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. We're talking about in those days, I've lost my whole job and my economy and everything else. He says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet and He will make me walk on my high hills. Vindicating God's character doesn't come from asking God to deliver us from our trials. It comes from having faith and strong confidence in Him in our trials. We're living in a time period where we're going to be experiencing even more trials than we have already. It's time to pull out all the punches, use all the weapons that we have, spiritual weapons, and the greatest one is to be able to praise God. We may be experiencing stressors on the outside, but when we learn to praise God, we won't have to tolerate a lot of stress on the inside. It's all determined as to how we look at things. Let me give you an example. Maybe we need a childlike view. Father of a very wealthy family took his son on a trip to the country for the purpose of revealing to his son how poor people live so that his son might appreciate what riches they have can bring to the family. 
So they spent two nights, two days and two nights at a farm. A poor, they was considered a very poor farming community. And after staying there, the father asked the son, as they were returning back from the trip, did you see how poor people live in this country? And the son said, oh yeah. So the father wanted to know how his lesson was received by his son. So he, so he asked, he says, well, what did you learn from this trip? Well, the boy replied, I saw that we have one dog and the farmers have four. I discovered that we have a swimming pool that reaches to the middle of our yard and they have a creek that has no end. I remember when you bought all these imported lanterns to light up our backyard. But when I went up into their backyard, they had a canopy of stars. We have a beautiful patio. They have a horizon of beauty. We live on a small piece of land. Their fields go out of sight. Our family have servants who serve us. The farmers are willing to serve others. We buy our food in a supermarket. They grow their food in a field. We had to put up security walls around our property in order to protect us. They have friends that protect them. And then he said to his father, Thanks, Dad, for showing me how poor we are. <laughs> it's all in how we look at life. What seems natural, like for the father, really was a curse for the son. Matthew 5.12 says, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. It's time to lift our voices in praise, don't you think? Let's turn in our hymnals to hymn number 27. Rejoice, ye pure in heart. So we stand. We'll sing all the verses. Rejoice, ye pure in heart, rejoice, give thanks and sing, your vessel banner wave on high, the cross of Christ our King, rejoice, rejoice, give thanks, give thanks and sing. With voice as full and strong as 
to save us from this world of woe and sin. We don't want the devil to have us in bondage. We want to praise you because you will deliver us and bring us to that heavenly kingdom that is prepared for us through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. 